You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I am Dave Griffiths. Another great show for you on tap today. Frank Reich just spoke with the media just earlier today as we filmed this podcast. So it's the uh, typical combine availability, guys, that we always hear from Frank Reich. We usually hear from Chris Bauer at this time as well, but with no combine, that is a thing of the past, but the availability still stays on. So we'll see exactly what we could fish out of Coach Reich in a situation where he can't tell us everything that uh, we already know to be true already. Uh, latest news and rumors around the NFL as well. We'll explore this year's free agent cornerback class, a position that the Colts find themselves in need this offseason as Xavier Rhodes, their number one corner from last season, and also uh, TJ Carey, their number eh, three, four corner from last year, is going to be uh, out as well, uh, out as free agents as well. So uh, we'll look into the free agent corner class, but first, uh, we do pour one out for the NFL Combine as uh, teams will have to rely on pro days this year. Uh, the evaluation process will be certainly very different than it has been in years past. Uh, but, Mike, we'll, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of what Frank Reich said earlier today. But one thing he did note was about the combine and about that evaluation process this year and just saying um, that you'll have to rely on, on Chris Ballard and his staff to, to do their jobs in a, in a very unique time. Yeah, I've covered the combine since 1987 uh, downtown. So, I went downtown and sat in the parking lot for about an hour today just because I, that's what I do this time of year. But it's, it's just going to be different because, again, you, they'll get it done because they, they find ways to get it done. But you're not going to have the so-called level playing field, which, you know, the, the primary reason for the, for the combine has been medicals to get updates on guys that have had injuries or whatever. Procedures. Mm-hmm. Correct. Or, or even, you know, these guys say, you know, they go back to what I had in high school or whatever. But but another component is, is getting players tested in drills and all this on a level playing field at the at the first the dome and now Lucas Oil to where everybody's in the same boat. Well, now you're going to have guys at on their own pro days and it ain't the same. It's just not having your quarterback throw to his receiver's at Florida or Georgia or, or or Howard is different than having your guy come here and throw in the guys that he's never seen before. So it won't be the same. It's going to put a, really a premium on, on guys. And Frank Reich talked about this. He said, well, we feel we've got a, hand, a, a leg up because we've got Chris Ballard and his staff. Well, your staff's going to have to be on point this year because you're not going to have – you're going to have to evaluate sort of or compare apples and oranges because it's not going to be the same. Uh, but again, the, the the better personnel staff will have a an advantage because because they're better at really looking under or looking past the level playing field to, to, to evaluate players. If NFL nerd fans love the draft, then the, the nerds of the nerds love the combine. So, Joe, that's where I bring you in. <laughs> but uh, right. but seriously, I, I I know you love the combine. I love the combine too. So it's it's going to be a shame not to have it this year. Yeah, it's tough. you know usually this is. When we get all a, a lot of our information about these draft prospects, which we've been, you know, reading up on and watching tape on and all that kind of stuff, and it, it, we're not going to get exact heights and weights on these guys until teams get their hands on them at the pro days. Um, this is where we really figured out, you know, their college might list them at six four, they might be more six two and a half, and that makes a difference to these scouts. 
The other thing that's going to be really difficult evaluating this year is how do you compare the players who played in 2020 versus the players who opted out? You know, there's a lot of the top end talent in this draft did not play in 2020. Their last tape is from 2019. So how do you evaluate a player who's had a year out of the sport versus a player who, you know, had a great season this past year or maybe not such a great season, but they did actually play through it in 2020. So this is going to be a wild draft. It's usually very wild, but I think more than other years, there's going to be some names selected that we go, whoa, where did that come from? Just because everyone's evaluations are going to be all over. So let's take a look around the league in the NFL this week. The Colts, Jaguars, and Titans are supporting their fellow AFC South squad, the Houston Texans, with a joint donation of $100,000 to the Houston-Harris County 2021 Winter Storm Relief Fund. And that follows the severe weather that swept through the country, uh, and especially that part of the country, last week. And the NFL Foundation is going to match that donation, which is great. Um, a good show of unity between, uh, between these teams and uh, glad to see uh, some, some support among, among rivals. Uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association are, uh, this is really interesting, something that I noticed, and I'm glad, Joe, you put it in here, uh, launching an effort to, to learn about the potential of cannabis and components like CBD as alternative treatments, options for pain. And this is something that I, I thought was interesting, especially because I'm on Twitter and I saw a bunch of former NFL players tweeting about this. And so that's what really piqued my curiosity in it. Not just that, um, not just that this is coming from um, a certain segment of society asking for this, but it's actually coming from former players, very much so. Um, just trying to figure out what exactly um, a a new type of treatment might be. So, um, I mean, Mike, the um, the treatment of former players by the NFL has been something that's over the past couple decades. It's been been in the news spotty here and there about uh, a lawsuit for this, uh, a lawsuit for that. The concussion thing was really big for a, for a, a couple of years or, or so. But uh, if the NFL is going to take steps forward in treatment for its players, it just seems like uh, after they retire, this might be a logical next step to really delve some resources into seeing if this um, form of, I guess we can call it alternative medicine maybe, can, could help. Yeah, you're always looking to, to, to be – ahead of the curve on things and I go back to some of the the older time Colts, the Jeff Farads and people like that and at some level they felt abandoned uh when their playing careers were over and they really had to fight for the, the CTE and the and the concussion concussion settlements and all that. Hopefully this is something that again they can be forward thinking and find whenever you have the league and the players association serious about you know looking into this uh, only good things can happen, so hopefully they'll make some good strides in this. And the NFL does currently consider cannabis a banned substance right now, so uh, obviously not anything in the immediate works, but this is something more like down the road after you put uh, probably a couple years, I would think, of um, of investment and uh, research into it uh, from the NFL's perspective. So, uh, so that's that. Uh, Indiana football, the uh, university, has offered a scholarship to uh, Colts running back uh, Edron James's son, Eden James. Uh, so that'd be cool, uh, Mike uh, and Joe, both of you guys, to have uh, have uh, Edge's son back in Indiana once again, and uh, well, back in Indiana, I guess for uh, for and and doing his thing in college. And hey, hey, IU football had a great year last year, Joe. So uh, it'd be it'd be cool to see uh, what 
And they've had a couple of really good running backs come out for the past decade or so. So it would be, it'd be fun to see what Eden could do if he got the chance. Yeah, they've had several good running backs. Stevie Scott's a powerful back there now. And uh, I remember Jordan Howard coming out, Tevin Coleman. So hopefully Eden James becomes the Hoosier and continues that tr- tradition for IU. And it would only be great publicity to have Edgerin occasionally on the sidelines. Uh, his presence would do wonders for, you know, the profile. But he's always mm-hmm. talked highly of his of his son, and he said he was going to maybe be his agent. So maybe he can start boosting to get that 3% and keep it in the family. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe, do you know what Eden, if he's like a four-star or three-star or anything like that, or where he's going to high school right now? What what are Do you have any more D? I, I don't have him in front of me, so I just don't know. Let me uh, look that up right yeah. now. I do not off the top of my head. Okay. Let's uh, see. You, you and I are going to do it together. Hang on. Uh, yeah, he's, let's see, Treasure Coast, uh, four-time Pro Bowl selection. Yeah. I don't even think he has a star rating, uh, according to uh, 247 Sports, at least right now. So he's in next year's class. Let's see. He has offers from Howard, Indiana, and Miami. So, of course, he has one from Miami. From, uh, yeah, he, he's not modern. a what high school? He's not a he's not a monocle. Is he's uh, Orlando Treasure Coast High School in Port St. Lucie is what it says okay. right here. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see. He's got got the dreads just like Dad. It's a nice picture. Good smile. He's a, he sh- he's flashing the U in his picture. Uh, right there here. you go. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it might <laughs> might be tough to 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 get him out. So so we'll see about that. Um, to uh, from one former Colts running back to another that you might want to forget more so, Trent Richardson has joined a Mexican American Football League team. It looks like their name is the Chihuahuas, according to what uh, Joe uh, posted here. I don't know. I don't. I don't speak Spanish. So former third round pick Richardson is now thirty years old. Third former third overall pick. pick. Excuse me. A third round would have been much better. Um, <laughs> I misspoke there. But um, but yeah. Uh, hey. Uh, g- good luck, Trent. Um, your your quest to rehab your name continues, but uh, it's it's not going to be. It, it's going to have to go through the muck to get there, uh, Mike. After uh, it, I guess going through the, to the American Mexican American Football League to do so. I remember when he left here. I can't remember what team he went to. <laughs> I, I tend to I, I lost track of Raiders, where he went. Maybe, maybe, yeah, but he so. said he, he said he was still fighting to get that gold jer- that gold jacket. Okay. Which I figured he had a better chance of maybe going into realty and getting a Century 21 jacket than he would a per- Hall of Fame jacket. I think he has better luck getting a green jacket at the Masters <laughs> than he has getting a gold jacket. That's just me. Uh, boy. Latest I would rumors, love a yeah. Chihuahua's jersey, though. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Put it up on your wall. Uh, ESPN's John Clayton reported on Wednesday that Tennessee, Green Bay, and Buffalo were the teams leading the J.J. Watt sweepstakes but that Watt hasn't exactly narrowed down his list all that much to yet. Browns and Raiders still in the mix. A dozen teams are so after him. I loved his tweet this week that um, some somebody tweeted at him, like, J.J., who are you going to sign with? Or are you going to sign with someone already? And he said, dude, I, I, uh, I flipped through DoorDash for an hour before I decide what to eat. You're going to have to give me a minute to, uh, to decide what team I want to play for. So, <laughs> um, But Diana Rossini from ESPN also reported that the offers are between 15 and $16 million per year. So that's the kind of chunk of change that uh the jj watt is probably going to go for 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 at least a couple seasons at his uh early 30s age i believe so um uh we'll get into the Colts situation i guess a little bit more later but at 45 million dollars about this offseason is what the Colts are projected to have in cap space after the carson wentz trade goes through 
Um, that would be a third of it right there. That that would go straight to J.J. Watt if you want to make him uh, if you want to make him a Colt. But uh, I I don't I don't do you hate that, uh, Joe? I, I I don't hate that, but at the same time, it's it's it is a big chunk of change that we're not used to seeing Chris Ballard pony up. I don't hate it if it's a short term deal because it solves a need and like we've spoken many times, so much of this roster is already filled out. So if it's like a two year deal. I think that works well for the Colts, and then by the time the contract is over, they can get on to paying some of their upcoming contracts that they have coming down the line. My my only issue is how they're going to make it work. I do think they use free agency to get a pass rusher. Let, let, let's say they're one of these teams that's going to give J.J. Watt $15 million this year. So that, that knocks you down to, what, uh, $32 million in cap space. Uh, let's say you re-sign Xavier Rhodes for $7 million. Uh, it, it just goes quickly. And then I keep thinking how they're going to possibly find room to redo a Darius Leonard or a Braden Smith. It goes quickly. It, it just does. So I kind of think that, you know, $15 million, is there a difference in what they gave Justin Houston? Was it 12, 12 and a half? Mm-hmm. Two, two years, 23. Uh, would you rather have... J.J. Watt for two years or Justin Houston for two years? I'd take J.J. Watt. Yeah. I just I just would. Uh, and uh, But I, I do think free agency brings a pass rusher, and I do think that we talked last week on the left tackle. For so many reasons, they need to find their left, left tackle either in-house or in the draft. But uh, I, I just don't know that they're going to pony up $15, 16000000 million for J.J. Watt. And maybe I'd be proven wrong, but uh, I'd be surprised. Yeah, and I, I want to expand on something that, that Joe said. You said that like a lot of the roster is in shape, and I, I agree with that, but I do want to at least throw out the other side of the argument that if you, even if the, other, the roster is very in, I think it's in very good shape right now, so many of the main areas are not in good shape. Quarterback is going to be when, when Carson, well, we think it's going to be when Carson Wentz comes in. At least it's set for now. But, but you have, um, like, Edge rusher, which is a big money, big money position that you need. Cornerback, which is a decent money position that you need. Left tackle, which is a big money position that you need. Wide receiver, which is a decent money position that you need to lock up. Like you have four right there, like really main areas that are that are not okay. You know um, that that you need to do something with this offseason. So like when 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 people come out and say the Colts roster is in good shape I, I I understand what they're saying and I'm not saying that they're wrong and so Joe I don't want you to take that that I think you're wrong I just want to clarify that even though the roster is in good shape there are very important positions that need to be addressed this offseason and that that's why we're talking about it right now to be frank like we're, that's why we're going into it and that's why we're we're talking week after week about this um so uh, it, it is going to be a, a very uh, important offseason, and and we've said that before. I just wanted to, to echo it, that even though we, we have said and we continue to say, hey, the roster's in good shape right now, that the Colts have a, have an attractive team that free agents want to come to, at the same time, that, that doesn't that doesn't simplify the situation for Chris Ballard. You know, that, that doesn't say that, oh, his job is done. He can, you know, uh, shake his hands and, and just sit back and, uh, drink a mai tai on, on the Caribbean coast somewhere this this off season. It's going to be busy. It's going to be very busy, and uh, there's going to be a lot that needs to be done to ensure that the roster that is in good shape right now is in better shape come September when, when the season comes around. So, um, I, I I 
like I said, Joe, not not saying that you were wrong, but I think that's just something that, that we need to clarify, that sometimes we don't clarify enough, that this, this offseason they really need to do real work on very important positions in order to maintain the quote-unquote good roster standing into the future. So while we're kind of in this right now, what uh, kind of a two-part question I want to pose to you guys, but A, if the Colts are going to spend about that $16 million per year on a free agent this offseason, what position do you think they should prioritize and will prioritize that defensive end corner or wide receiver? And then my other question is, do you think they'll make a splash like that or will it be a bunch of signings for that eight, seven, five million a year? Just a bunch of okay signings that you hope uh, play plast um, and above their signing level? Or do you think the Colts make a splash at one of those positions and then fill in the others through the draft and lesser signings? Mike, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, I think they make a splash at, at defensive end pass rusher. I think they solve cornerback, at least short term, with Xavier Rhodes and probably T.J. Carey. T.J. Carey is not going to cost you an arm and a leg. And again, Xavier Rhodes, give him two years, fourteen million. I don't know, fifteen million, which will be a good payday for him. You're going to have to pay twelve to fifteen million dollars for a pass rusher. You just are. Uh, but it's a, but it's a deep edge pass rush. You know, uh, uh, an edge group. I just don't. You know, J.J. Watt is is the hot topic, but. What if Von Miller becomes available? I mean, th- th- there's a number of guys, and I think they're going to get that's going to be the. Sh- I-, I think right now they're locked into this. Unfortunately, with every two years, you need to find a veteran pass rusher, uh, unless you fall into one in the draft, which you know Robert Mathis isn't going to be coming around again. Yeah. What was he? A, what was he? A fourth or fifth round pick? Fourth, fifth round you pick, know, I think. That's that's it's just not going to happen. That's the aberration. Yeah, correct. He, he he's 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 the Tom Brady type of pass rusher, so it's just not going to happen. And I, I I just think it makes more sense, and that's why we talked about how a left tackle is, is high end money wise. Not if you've got find him in the draft. If you get him in the draft, he, he, you've got him for four years, pretty inexpensive. Uh, and that's, I think, the, the thing that works in so many in, in the areas, in so many levels, because we've talked about you've already got one of the highest paid centers, one of the, one of the Quentin Nelson's going to break the bank. You're going to give Braden Smith monster money. Can, can, you, can you go out and get Trent Williams and pay him, what, $17, 18000000 million? I, I don't see how it works. I just don't. So I think, I think quarterback, you get it w- with re signing Rhodes. I think. Pass rush you get on the free agent market, and you know, I think that that's just simply the way it works. And then you, for the most part, address your concerns. Wide receiver, I think you can probably you're going to be able to get a guy if it's not T.Y. Hilton for ten million dollars a year. It's another wide receiver. It's a very very deep wide receiver class in free agency. So I think they've got the wherewithal to do to do free agency at wide receiver. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with Mike for the most part. Uh, if if I had, if I had to pick, I would I would say that the Colts don't spend big on one guy in free agency. Though that's where where I would differ. But um, but if they had to spend in one place, Joe, I think it would be defensive line. I I can't imagine them spending ten plus million dollars uh, on a cornerback. First of all, that that's I that would be crazy. Um, they they might spend on someone like a Chris Godwin, a young wide receiver. That's Kind of like, uh, seems like the next T.Y. Hilton almost in in stature and ability, and um, in he just very much looks the part. 
Um, so so that that's a possibility. But at the same time, um, I, I just don't I just don't see it because of mostly because of what Mike alluded to earlier about um, guys coming up in the near future. Um, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, uh, guys that will be due money, big money. You're hoping that in two years you're going to have to spend big money on Carson Wentz again, too. So, I mean, add him to the list or a quarterback that um, that I you, you certainly can't put him in, in the same mold as, as a Darius Leonard or a Quentin Nelson, guys who are all pros and have proven to be all pros the past couple of years right now. But but at the same time, you're always thinking several years into the future. So if you go out and you sign someone for big money this year, boy, it better only be like a two-year contract because there are some some big guys that you know you're going to want to re-sign in the next couple seasons. So um, so I would lean toward no, but it, but if any if it is anywhere, it would be uh, at defensive end because the biggest left tackles they're going to make twenty million dollars, and that's that's a number that I don't think I don't think Chris Ballard wants to pay. Like you, as Mike said. The ideal situation for left tackle is going to be either in the draft or in-house, whatever it is, whether that's moving Quentin Nelson over or uh, whether that's going out and probably getting a guy in the first round so you can lock him up for four years and have a team fifth-year option if, if he hits. So, um, so, so I would lean toward it's not going to be a big name that the Colts get in free agency. I think we're going to continue to see the, uh, the Trey Burtons, the Xavier Rhodeses, um, the Eric Ebrons uh, that have uh, worked out very well in the past couple years, at least for a year or two, um, and for the most part. Uh, the Justin Houstons, uh, the guys that aren't the, the biggest name. Justin Houston was a pretty pretty big name last year, I think, but he, he's not a J.J. Watt. He's not a Von Miller, so it, it could be more, more in that vein. I don't think you're going to see the Colts going out and getting the Jadavion Clowney from a couple years ago or a J.J. Watt from this year or uh, the biggest name free agent that's out there, uh, whatever it might be. So, um, and, and cause Also because that's what Chris Ballard has done in the past. So I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to, I guess, glean my information based on, based on what I've seen in past years, Joe. So that, that's my take on it. What do you think? I kind of get the feeling that he's kind of going to go not all in because he's always going to value the draft and keep the roster at a good spot where they don't have to do a full-on rebuild in a couple years. But I think he's going to go for one of these players who might be able to push his team over the hump because they've kind of reached the point where they're within striking range of competing for a championship. You know, last year they made the playoffs, and while they were a team who gave Buffalo fits, I don't think anyone really considered them a serious Super Bowl contender to be able to beat the Chiefs or one of those top tier teams I think with Carson Wentz and maybe one or two big name free agents the Colts would be able to compete like that but I agree with you I don't think it's going to be more than one splash signing if they do have a splash signing um, and, and I like the names you brought up Chris Godwin's a guy because of his youth that would make more sense with the Colts and because of J.J. Watt being able to maybe give you two great years and then you can move on He's a guy who, in my opinion, makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but there's a lot of competition out there for both of those players, mm -hmm. certainly from other teams. ESPN's David Newton reports that the Panthers, per a source, are going to try to make a strong run at Deshaun Watson if the Texans ever do uh, try to trade uh, their quarterback. However, uh, apparently Houston, according to uh, ESPN as well, is tr still avoiding conversations regards to, uh, to trading Watson. So uh, that stalemate continues in Houston which is uh, unsurprising right now. Uh, for other quarterbacks who might be on the move, uh, Russell Wilson's camp has, uh, well, multiple sources. I don't know, Joe, where you saw this, but 
Uh, some sources reported that my, uh, Russell Wilson has approached the Seahawks for a trade. But then Adam Schefter came out literally just an hour or less than an hour ago to say that um, Wilson has not demanded a trade and still wants to play in Seattle. He does have a no-trade clause, though, and the only teams he would consider going to are Dallas, New Orleans, Las Vegas, or Chicago. So so that's a situation that I, like, I, I still don't think Russell is going anywhere. I just think he really wants to light a fire under people there and be like, dude, I'm getting knocked around and I'm getting hit. I'm getting uh, hit too often. I don't like it. So so do something about it. Um, I, I just I just don't think, uh, Mike, that that really has too many legs. I could be proven wrong. Like I said, I'm not plugged in over in Seattle by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I would be very surprised if Russell Wilson ends up anywhere other than uh, the Seattle Seahawks next season. From, from, from watching thousands of miles away, it seems like Russell Wilson says, "Quit taking me for granted. Quit, quit, you know, just expecting me to run around and make plays." I think he's always had a pretty good receiver core. It seems, or maybe he just makes these guys look great. I always thought of the Colts several years ago, if they could have gotten Doug Baldwin, who I thought was a quality, quality player. But I just think he's, he's like you said, he's frustrated because he, he's played at such a high level, and they've just let. The running game has been, you know, off and on, and his protection has been awful. I mean, we talked about Andrew Luck getting beaten around. Well, that, that's what's happened to Russell Wilson. So I think – I don't think he's going anywhere. Seattle, you've got to get – you've got to reach a point of no return to give up on a quarterback of his level. Now, and we talk about Deshaun Watson. Are they there? I have a hard time believing that in meetings they haven't at least said – what if internally? What 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 would we take? Uh, so, so right now maybe they're 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 not taking phone calls, but it just there was a, a tweet today by Deshaun Watson something like when you lose confidence you lose everything or something like that. I think it's and, loyalty or something like well, that. Maybe, but uh. but it was it was kind of like it, it, when your team when you have no confidence in your organization, what have you got? Th- th- this this sounds like this feels like. He's drawn a line in the sand, and he's on one side, and Houston's is miles away. So I will be not shocked if he's not traded before the draft, and, and then you could, then the draft, the the top ten of the draft is going to be totally on its head. But I think there are different situations, you know, as, as is Dak Prescott. Uh, it, it's it's amazing year after year after year, although it shouldn't be in a quarterback driven league, to how these quarterbacks paralyze the news cycle. And we've sort of hit a, 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 a dry spell after Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. But when one of these falls, I don't know which one falls first. Uh, Watson? I don't know. It's hard to say what happens. But it seems like Watson's situation has to be resolved before a lot of these other ones can get resolved or move on, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it's Marcus Mariota, or, or, or what. So it's 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 fun to watch. That's why I'm glad the Colts uh, have their quarterback situation taken care of. We'll see if it works out or not. Because when you when you when you're talking quarterback, it just paralyzes the rest of what you're trying to get done in the off season. 
By the way, the sources sources were from The Athletic. There was a few, like, Seattle beat reporters with The Athletic who put that out there earlier today. Uh, Why don't they just, you know, do a a, a clean trade, Russell Wilson, for uh, Deshaun Watson? You know, both quarterbacks get to start over, just boom. They're they're both about the same level, right? Makes sense. (laughs) So they both go to teams that uh, still can't protect the quarterback. That's exactly Exactly. what they both want. Yeah. Yeah. Just (laughs) same. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss type thing right there. But, uh... Uh, I, w- one, I would rather yeah. play in Seattle over Houston any day. Oh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, uh, back to T.Y. Hilton, uh, who we mentioned earlier, uh, mentions uh, about T.Y. being re-signed that the coaches in Indy love him, which I could have told you that, but there's also a recognition that T.Y.'s legs may be going, which you know I probably could have told you that too. So that's that's at least something that they talk about when they're deciding whether to bring uh, T.Y. Hilton back for another year. Uh, Pat McAfee had a good thing on his uh, on his show today that he did talking about T.Y. Uh, just basically saying that he will he will not put up with any T.Y. Hilton slander uh, at all. Unsurprisingly, that that Pat would stick up for T.Y. Uh, and that saying T.Y. was used. Uh, Mike, as as you know, very much in a um, in a uh, in a diversionary role last year that. Uh, he, he had guys double covered, uh, on him very often, uh, as teams forced Phillip Rivers to go elsewhere. And also there were a lot of, uh, more short, quick, uh, let's see, passes to that, that are not exactly T.Y.'s strength. I guess that Phillip Rivers, uh, is strength as well at the same time. So trying to get them. Um, uh, in the same offensive system, whatever it wasn't like, not 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 that it wasn't ideal. I just think that uh, he, there were there were other ways that the the Colts went um, with with the offense and Ty being more of a distraction and a um, a, a guy that, that pulled coverage away from other guys was what the Colts' offense did and did very well, honestly, to to a to a portion a portion of last year. So um, the the Ty Hilton saga is. Um, I hesitate to even call it a saga because that's that's maybe just a little bit too too strong of a word. But um, it, I think what happens to Ty this off season will be very interesting. If if the Colts decide to keep him uh, and he com- completes his career likely in Indianapolis, or if he goes elsewhere and says maybe he teams up with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, if Chris Godwin goes elsewhere and Tampa's looking for somewhere, and, and Bruce Arians wants to bring his old boy Ty down to down to Tampa with him, and uh. And T.Y. was was a Florida boy himself, too. I uh, went to college at F.I.U. or F.A.U., one of those two. I always get the uh, alphabet soup uh, Florida schools confused. But, um, but anyway, I, I, if, it's not, if it's not Indy, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's Tampa. Uh, but um, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with T.Y. this offseason, though I, I do hope to, that we have him back next year because, cause Mike, I like T.Y. I like having T.Y. in the locker room and talking to him and uh, – I, I've I've enjoyed uh, getting to know him, and I, I think he's done a lot, and I think he still has some some game left. So that's that's uh, something that I think will be intriguing this off season. Yeah, I, I think he he's a classic example that tests a team's evaluation of not letting emotion and loyalty getting in the way of sticking with a player too long. And I'm not I'm not saying the Colts should move on. But but th- this is one to where I remember Bill Pullen when it came to uh, Edger and James and running backs back in 2000 after the 2005 season, and the Colts let Edger go and he went to Arizona. He just said it's always more important to get rid of a player a year too soon than a year too late. 
So the one thing you don't want to do is give T.Y., we talked about, let's say three years, $30 million, and it's really not a $30 million contract. But then he comes back, and he, and he just isn't what, he, what, what you need. And then he's a drag on your offense. And again, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's that's the this is the situation you have to really be sure on internally that there is still something there. Maybe he's not that deep, the deep post guy that you can hit once or twice a game. That he and Luck had that thing going on. Uh, but I thought there were times last year he was very effective, and I didn't I didn't see the legs going. He didn't. There were four or five plays. That if he and Philip Rivers hit, then we're not having this discussion. I'm I'm talking another 175 yards and maybe a couple of touchdowns, and all of a sudden, he he's what he used to be. But th- this is one to where you cannot, you simply cannot uh, let emotion and loyalty be too much of a factor. We we know what they believe, what what their confidence and trust in, in, in how they how they endorse T. Y. Hilton as far as a player in the community, in the locker room. But this comes down to, is this player going to be worth the 10 or $11 million, whatever you're going to pay him? And this, it's, maybe it's not so much with an Anthony Walker or or one of the, the younger players. This is a guy that's on the wrong side of 30. And how much does he have left? And you really have to be able to be cold, calculated about it, and not let your emotions and what you, you believe in the player – really weigh your decision too much joe well, i think yeah go, go ahead go ahead sorry i was gonna say well and don't you guys this is how i kind of see it and you guys can chime in here if you think the colts are gonna look at it differently but isn't it not just 10 million dollars for ty hilton but how much cheaper or more expensive is ty hilton gonna be compared to the next free agent because i think we all agree the colts need to bring someone in at wide receiver uh, whether that be a high-priced guy, medium, low-priced guy. It, it's more of a comparison of is T.Y. Hilton that much more expensive or cheaper than a Chris Godwin or a Marvin Jones or someone else? Not just is he worth $10 million, but is he worth this much more or less than the next guy, and what are we going to get on the field for that price? Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's That's always, yeah, that goes into the discussions for sure. I just, I think it's a, it's a, it's a unique situation. The Colts are in with, with their wide receiving core and with just their, their outside weapons. I'll include tight end in this, in this discussion. Like who is your number one? If it's not T Y. Hey, if you bring in Marvin Jones, who might be about the same Marvin Jones, isn't a number one. I can tell you that for sure. I like Marvin Jones, but he's not a number one. Do you, do you expect Michael Pittman Jr. to elevate himself to a number one wide receiver next year? I don't know. Do you expect to draft a, somebody in the second round, like a wide receiver or a tight end, to make him number one? I don't know about that. T.Y. at least has the potential to still be, a, I think, a number one wide receiver. I really think he does. Um, and then you have Pittman and uh, Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal still on the outside, and you can keep developing a guy like Desmond Patman, uh, see what he can do. Um, you have DeMichael Harris as your gadget guy uh, there as well. Ashton Doolin, if you need him as a special teams guy. That, that's kind of where you are right now. I don't I, – like, if you're going to do something at wide receiver, why, why wouldn't you, like, go out and get a wide receiver one that you know can be a wide receiver one? And then that goes back to our discussion about what the Colts will do this offseason in terms of spending money. Like, where are you going to? Like, Chris Godwin would be the only one that I really see possible. 
um, to be perfectly honest. I think he might be like he'd still be expensive. Uh, but the fact that he is he's really young would be would be helpful. I, I don't I, I this is this is a situation where I can honestly tell you I just don't know what the Colts are gonna do at receiver this year in a tight end. I I do not know. Some other areas I might have more of an idea. This one is just a mystery to me. So I I think it's so that's probably why I think it's interesting. Um well, I tell, I tell of, you, yeah, if, I'm if, here to see what happens. If if it comes as soaking big money into a position, it will be edge rusher and not Wide and receiver. I agree, and I do that, agree with that. And on top of that, I would, I would not, I, I would like to have either Ty or some Ty like player on this roster, so that Michael Pittman is not looked at as he has to be the one. Because while we saw some decent things from Pittman last year, can you sit here today and say, "Boy, he's he's going to be Reggie"? I'm not going to say Marvin, but he's going to be Reggie like. I, I, I didn't see enough of that, and that's not a knock on him. I just didn't see enough of it. So I, I want to have a, a depth chart to where it, 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 Michael Pittman maybe is 1A. The, 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 he, he's somebody's sidekick, whether that's TY or a free agent. I just don't think they pay big time for an edge guy and big time for a, for a wideout. I, just, I don't think that is the way they will do it. And I don't think their budget will allow them to do that either. All right. Well, Frank Reich did speak with the media earlier today, this Thursday, as we tape this podcast. Uh, 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 Mike Chappell was on the call. I, Dave Griffiths, was on the call. You can follow uh, Colts Blue Zone online at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. Get updates about uh, Colts happenings throughout the week. Mike is at mchappell 51 Joe Hopkins here is at Roto Street Joe. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Um, Mike, uh, Frank Reich did a tremendous job tap dancing around the uh, name Carson Wentz, which he did not utter at any time during this press conference because he's kind of not allowed to yet. The trade is not official, so... Uh, what what were your takeaways from our uh, discussion earlier this afternoon with Coach Reich? Yeah, it's amazing how he he and I, I had texted him before this about how they were going to make us be creative and how we ask questions about him who we cannot speak his name. I thought it was amazing that over thirty minutes, Frank never mentioned Carson or Wentz. It, it's that's really t- that's discipline. It really is. But you know, he was asked a lot of different things. You know, and it's it's. From the owner on down, they believe this roster is ready to compete, as it did last year. And he said, yeah, the, the court, we've got to get the quarterback position, position right. And he also mentioned how he was asked about if a quarterback loses confidence, which was one of the, the uh, knocks on Wentz last year, which who can blame him when you're getting your butt handed to you every time you drop back. And he said, you know, that can be fixed. It can be addressed by going back to fundamentals, you know, but the, the, the technique. So he, he's very bullish on this, and without really – and I tell you, one thing also that I'm, I'm probably going to focus on writing about later on is they realize they have got to quit this carousel at quarterback. Well, this will be the, the fifth straight year they've had a different starting quarterback. That's ridiculous. Uh, and, and they know they've got to get this solved. He said, you know, the continuity is critical. And he said, that's our vision. And it's funny how he said, that's our vision and our plan in free agency. Well, okay, you've, and, and you've got that done. So uh, they realized that they, that this had to be done, and I think they realize internally that, that they've got to be right with this, or they set this franchise back two or three years, if not longer. There were a couple other topics of discussion as well. Uh, Coach talked about the uh, the coaching turnover, of course. When Nick Sirianni goes to Philadelphia, he brings a lot of guys with him. Um, talked a little bit about uh, just what they've had to go through to reshape the staff. 
uh, spoke about Marcus Brady uh, on offense as well, maybe his background in the CFL, how that uh, can or will or maybe will not help um, in specific ways. Uh, well, in, in general ways, we will say, the, the Colts offense for, uh, for this year. So be sure to log online to fox59.com or cbs4indy.com to hear uh, see what Mike has to write about that discussion a little bit later this afternoon. Another piece of uh, news from this past week, um, as the trade for Carson Wentz is still kind of on pause, uh, immediate attention turns to, well, all these people are posting pictures of Carson Wentz um, in Colts uniforms online, some great Photoshop jobs. But, of course, he's wearing number 11 in all these pictures, which was his number with the Eagles and his number at North Dakota State. However, it does not appear that Wentz will be wearing number 11 with the Colts because Michael Pittman Jr. told TMZ this week that he and Wentz had a discussion and that he was not planning to give up the number 11. Very locked in on it, is what uh, Pittman said. And he also said that Wentz was fine with that, that uh, he was okay with uh, making a switch. And so, so drama already. Tons of drama, as Carson Wentz is not even a cult yet, causing division in the locker room. It's funny. That's the closest... Frank came today of confirming that Carson Wentz is a Colt. He said, because he mentioned that uh, he was asked about the number, and he said, I'm, I would have been shocked if he would have given the number up. I'm glad he's keeping it. Well, he's keeping it because, you know, the guy that wants number 11 is not going to get it, but but he's on your roster. Right. So. <laughs> Joe wants us to chill out about this, Joe. I just saw so many people on Twitter trying to make a big deal about this and how Michael Pittman Jr. messed up and with his quarterback before he even arrived and all of this crazy. It, it, it's a number. And from what Pittman Jr. said, it doesn't sound like Wentz was all that upset about it. He said, it's cool, bro. I was probably going to switch anyway. Who cares? This is a whole non-story for me. As fans, it's kind of interesting to see what numbers players pick because you get, you know, the jersey and it's kind of neat to see. But as this is a non-issue as far as the actual team and the Colts are concerned. Pittman also this, did, this, go ahead, Mike. This, this isn't Peyton Manning going to Denver and number 18 was retired. And, and they got, was it uh, Frank Topuka? I think it was, was a quarterback whose jersey was, was retired and they got – they got him to okay to let Peyton wear. That this is different. So, so yeah, it's 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 one of those that it's. You know, and we post. I posted a short story on it. You mentioned, then you you move on. Now you know if Carson Wentz wants to be a an sob about it, make something about it, fine. But but no, this is this is today's media that it was a bigger. It was a minor minor story that too many made too much about. So now that we are a week away from the Carson Wentz trade that broke just before we did our last Colts Blue Zone podcast, uh, how are we feeling about it? What's uh, has your reaction changed at all? Have you uh, gleaned anything different? Uh, any um, anything that you've learned new, Mike? That uh, a little bit of distance between the uh, the announcement and now has has provided. What uh, what else can are you thinking now that maybe you weren't thinking or weren't thinking as uh, of ultimate importance to get in? On, on our discussion about Wentz last week. I just think it, 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 it when, you, when you sit back and look at it, this was their best option. Because uh, then when you, when you know, if this was plan B after Matthew Stafford was too expensive, and, and maybe this is the guy they wanted, Frank wanted all along. I'm telling you, from talking to Frank today, he, he mentioned about how, how relationships with players is so important. He talked about how 
his relationship with Philip Rivers last year helped the transition from the Chargers to here. And he's got a closer or as close a relationship with Carson Wentz. I just think that when you sit back and look, number one, we talked last week, they had to believe that that, that last year was, was an aberration and he's certainly fixable quickly or they wouldn't have done this. And if not Carson Wentz, who? G- give me some names. Sam Darnold. I mean, Marcus Mariota. You can't. You you can't possibly trade up high enough in the draft. You're going to have to get. You keep. I tell you, the closer we get to the draft, one guy, Todd Mache's got four quarterbacks going off in the first four picks. And to think the Colts can get into position to get one of the top four guys is is ridiculous. You can't do it. You, well, you can do it, but you, you're giving up too much for an unknown quantity. So. My, my final thing is I, I trust until proven otherwise, I trust they know what they're doing, and I trust I didn't like any other options other than Carson Wentz. What about you, Joe? I was kind of a little bit surprised to see how well-received the trade was, at least on the Colts end, from like media around the country. You know, All the media had been doing basically is bashing this guy, Carson Wentz, for the past several months. And then as soon as the Colts make the trade, oh, it's a great trade and this makes the Colts Super Bowl contenders and Wentz is going to be good again because he's on a good team with Frank Wright. I was kind of surprised to see how quickly everybody won it. Not everybody, but a lot of people. There are – I saw uh, a few people with pro football focus say Wentz is not better than Phillip Rivers gave you last year, uh, which – I think is highly debatable, but it's a fun discussion topic. But I was surprised to see how uh, well-received the trade was for everybody, and I think a big part of that is how little Indianapolis ended up giving up to acquire Carson Wentz. I I think uh, what what I will add to the discussion before we move on is saying, like, I think this – this last week has allowed some people to to really dive into what Carson Wentz was into last year in Philadelphia, and they saw how bad it was. Like it really was. He had he had no weapons. And this is something that I did mention last week, so I'm not going to go deep into it. He had no weapons. He had no offensive line. Uh, did he did he lose focus? Yes. Did his fundamentals degrade? Yes, absolutely. And those are things that he needs to be held accountable for. But there was so much around him that caused that dis- decline. Um, and so getting into a new place is probably is, is the best thing for him. It's the best thing for the Eagles, and it's and it was the best option for the Colts. And this is one the one thing I'll add that I don't think I really did add last week. There, there is a group of fans, a group of Colts fans that are certainly that that don't like this trade all that much. They would have rather had somebody else. Uh, Mike mentioned a couple names, and and even if it's if it's anyone else, I've told you before how I how I dislike Sam Darnold uh, as an NFL quarterback. Um, whether it was him, whether it's a guy like uh, trying to make a trade for for a Derek Carr who turned out is not available, or Garoppolo, or Mariota, like none of those guys have accomplished what Carson Wentz has accomplished in his career. And no guy who's a rookie has accomplished anything in their career. Colts fans, when it comes to quarterback play, are the most spoiled franchise, perhaps, in the NFL. And I say that for a couple reasons. One is the obvious one, because you've had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck since 1998, pretty much. Those have been your two guys. And two, very much conjoined to that, Colts fans did not become Colts fans for the most part. I'm not saying everybody, but for the most part, until Peyton Manning came here. The first 15 years of Colts' existence, the fans were, this was a building fan base. 
It was not a deep fan base. It was building. When Peyton came here, things exploded. So many people became Colts fans as Peyton Manning really started to elevate the franchise. So you haven't known anything different here other than literally one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL is on your team. So when you see an option that Carson Wentz is going to be your quarterback for the next five years, people freak out and they're like, why isn't that? Why is it Carson Wentz? Why can't we try to go really make a trade for Russell Wilson here? Why can't we give up a couple first round picks and and really go all in trying to get a guy like Wilson? And I understand that. But at the same time, A, that's not what Chris Ballard does. He doesn't give up the farm for any one player. And B, like I said, like it, it, it points to the mindset of Colts fans that is so spoiled with quarterbacks and who you have had that you see a guy like Carson Wentz and it's like, Ugh, that's a New York strip steak and I only eat filet mignon on my plate. That, that's not going to do. So uh, that that's something that really has dawned on me, I think, over the past week. I think that Colts fans, the Colts fans, and this is not everybody. If you're out there and, and you're offended by this, well, then I'm sorry. But I might not be talking about you. I'm talking about people who are just grossed out at the fact that Carson Wentz is going to be Colts quarterback because he's not an Andrew Luck or a Peyton Manning. Well, guess what? Those guys are once-in-a-lifetime quarterbacks, and Colts fans have been fortunate enough to have two of them in a span of two decades. That does not happen. So get used to having a guy like Carson Wentz, who's a former All-Pro quarterback, as your guy in the future, and see if Frank Reich can build him back up into the guy he was. You know, one thing to keep in mind when, and I always used to, to tell people when I was on radio or whatever, is is appreciate what you have with Peyton Manning. We've talked about how he would go. 300 yards and three touchdowns, and you think, is that all you got, bud? And pre-Peyton Manning, we're talking Mike Pagel, we're talking Jack Trudeau, Chris Chandler, Gary Hogaboom, uh, Browning Nagel. You know, Jim Harbaugh gave him a brief gl- glimmer of sunshine. Uh, but but when, you, when you get the guy, when you get that guy, whether it's Manning or Luck or whomever, you got a chance. And, and if ideally for the Colts in four years, if we're fortunate enough to still be doing this podcast and we're talking Carson Wentz, then this was a great trade because he's, they have got, they've I said, they've got to get out of this every year, two years, changing quarterbacks, not changing, but forced to change quarterbacks. You've got to, it, it just, it drags your team down when you cannot grow. Like Frank Reich talked about today, when you've got that quarterback in place, whomever it is, a guy that you know is going to be here for six or eight years, you tailor your roster around that guy. You draft running backs. You, you draft receivers and tight ends that are conducive to what that quarterback lets you do. And when you don't have that, you know how much do you change every year? If they're right on Carson Wentz, he's their quarterback at least for the next four to six years. If they're wrong, then, then we'll roast them at the end of this year and next offseason, but until proven otherwise, Frank's Frank's proven that he can work with quarterbacks. He he's been very good at it. If it blows up on their face, then then we've got an entire show to let him have it. So I promised you earlier some cornerback discussion on the other side of the ball on defense. So we should get to that before we do wrap up this Colts Blue Zone podcast. The state the Colts are in at cornerback is uh, is somewhat questionable, and I would say somewhat questionable in the. Uh, Let's let's just push it into the questionable category entering next year, just because of what you have certainly going. Uh, Xavier Rhodes and T.J. Carey both are free agents. So as we sit, 
your cornerbacks right now are uh, Rock Yassin, Kenny Moore, and probably Marvell Tell coming back from the year that he missed last year. He took off due to COVID. So those are probably your three cornerbacks, your three Isaiah Rod- Isaiah and Isaiah Rodgers, Rodgers as well. Who was brought? Who's really brought in to be your, your kick returner? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So so you have f- five cornerbacks right there, or three, four cornerbacks. Um, and, and none of them have proven to be a number one cornerback in the NFL by, by far. So, so you need to do work right now at that position. And, Mike, you've said that out of all the cornerbacks, I've heard you say this on radio shows, and I think you've said it on this podcast, if there's any one free agent, Colt, that you think is most likely to return, it, it could be Xavier Rhodes because of what he is to this team. Like, he is needed as a, cor- first, uh, as a number one cornerback, and also the fact that he might not see a bigger payday anywhere else. Yeah, it, it, that's one of those, again, need, need and market. I just think it makes sense. They want him back, uh, and I think you bring T.J.A. Curry back as well. If that's the case, I think this great work that Joe's done with all these great names and people, <laughs> it, it was it was just a, a venture of futility because I don't think they go that way. And I've seen a couple of mock drafts where they had the Colts taking a corner in round one. Uh, I, I have I would, to. I wouldn't. I would still I'm, – I'm locked on to left tackle because – uh, but I, I can see them taking a, a corner in round two or three along with the receiver. So uh, get, getting Rhodes and, and carry back would solve a lot of issues. It would allow you to go different directions in free agency and the draft. So it's one of those that just makes sense. And, again, I just think I think this is where Rhodes is going to get his biggest bang for the buck. And, Joe, I, I want to say that like just to echo Mike's point that Xavier Rhodes might not find better – uh, offers elsewhere. Um, Spot Rack is predicting him to be about a seven million dollar a year cornerback. Um, there, there are other guys who are free agents this year who they predict as much more, like Cincinnati's William Jackson, perhaps a thirteen or twelve million dollar a year guy. Shaquille Griffin from um, Seattle, perhaps an eleven million dollar a year guy. Patrick Peterson from Arizona, maybe twelve, thirteen dollar million dollars a year guy. Richard Sherman, um, maybe a ten million dollar a year guy. Uh, th- there's a lot of guys out there that that could be uh, more highly sought after, quote unquote, than Xavier Rhodes. So, uh, as much as Xavier wants a payday after proving it in his one year prove it deal, uh, when he got just a couple of one or two, uh, it wasn't a big contract from the Colts. Uh, he, I'm sure he wants to go back to being a, a seven, eight million dollar a year type of guy. But there's a there's a lot of competition in this cornerback class to be a high paid guy and an off season where. Uh, people might be spending money elsewhere in a cap-strained year. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I think a couple weeks ago I kind of predicted that Xavier Rhodes would not be back and that yeah. you know the Colts weren't going to pay him the money. And then after doing this exercise and going in through all the corners and looking at the money they're going to get, I think you're right, Dave. I, I don't think, unless we're way off on how other teams value Xavier Rhodes, I think he'll test the market, he'll see what's out there, and he'll go – okay, I'm headed back to Indy where I know I can be successful. The coaches use me to my strengths. You know, he could go to another team uh, and they use him like Minnesota did the past couple of years and he not be nearly as effective, uh, which might scare some teams off from giving them that money. So I think about a three-year, $21 million, a, a deal kind of similar to what the Colts gave uh, Pierre Desir a couple of years ago. They ended up cutting him before he fulfilled the entirety of that contract. But something of that nature, three-year, $21 million deal, $22 million deal, maybe it's really a two-year deal. They can cut him that last year. He will be 31 this summer. 
Right. Um, so I, I think he's a good player to bring back for about two years, and he's a good, I don't know, reliable starting cornerback until you can find a long-term option. I, I would say one thing that Chris Ballard, is, when we talked to him last, which was in January, I think it was, where he said they're going to let a lot of these guys test the market, whether it was T.Y. or Rhodes or maybe even Justin Houston. To me, Xavier Rhodes is a guy that if you really want him back, you sort of try to get it done before that March 15th when people can start talking to players. And unless Xavier's getting bad information like we've talked about, three years, $21 million, you know, however you structure it, does he really think he's going to get more on the open market? Now, if he does, then, he, then finally he tests it. But I think what the Colts, if Chris Ballard's looking for some for some advice, I'd make a strong offer. Almost this is our offer. And say, well, you know, we'd really like you to, to take it now, but if you think you can get more, go ahead. But but then you can come back here. But this is this is probably the one that I would try to really make the strong push to keep him off the market. Just just to solve your issue and and, and not have you if he goes elsewhere, then you're I don't say scramble mode because I'd never in scramble mode, but then you've got to go to plan B, which might be more expensive. Well, and, and I didn't include it on the Sorry, I didn't include it on the rundown here, but um, something else that could come into fruition is there's rumors out there that the Patriots might be shopping Stephon Gilmore. So a team who really wants to pay a high-end cornerback, they might be going after Gilmore, and that's one more team that's not going to be willing to pay someone like Xavier Rhodes. So that's another guy on here who I did not include. And this all goes back to our discussion earlier about what, where do you want to spend your money on your team? Like, you, you have a good roster, yeah, but there are big holes on this roster entering next year. Left tackle, edge rusher, wide receiver, cornerback. Where in there do you really want to invest? And, and just looking at what Chris Ballard has done in the past, he wants to invest heavily in the offensive line and the defensive line. Like, that's where his focus is, win in the trenches. And so I think if there's any big spending in the offseason, it's going to be on the offensive or defensive line. And after that, cornerback, wide receiver, it probably gets the uh, not the A tier, not the A list free agent, and and when you look at all these guys, Xavier Rhodes is maybe the bottom of the A list or the top of the B list when it comes to free agents, um, in terms of what you're going to get. What, yeah, cornerback. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, Joe. Yes, thank you for for clarifying. Um, just because of who else is out there and who else is available, and Rhodes' age, I guess specifically as well. There's a lot of guys here who are younger, like Shaquille Griffin is 25 this this summer. Um, um, was what was I looking at? William Jackson's twenty nine. So there's guys here who are younger. Um, Ronald Darby's younger as well. He's a guy that I didn't mention. He's been inconsistent. He's shown really high highs or really low lows in his career as well. Um, and that's another type of guy that I think Chris Ballard might be interested in. A guy who is hey, Mike, who is Mike, showing... Mike, Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Who who who, yeah. who uh, what's he twenty five or twenty six? I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of Steelers on the open market. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because of their cap situation. One one thing I would say, in, in, in the way that I I think Chris Ballard approaches it, I think he believes that a, that a a, a top end pass rusher brings more value to your roster to your defense than a a top end type corner. I just think he thinks a pass rusher can really allow you to get I don't want to say get by with medium mediocre corners, but with, with lesser big-time talent, so I, I just think they prioritize a pass rusher over a corner, and that's why we'll beat this dead horse until it's different. I think that's 
that's where the big money goes in free agency. Beating a dead horse. That's what we do. On the That's what we do. Podcast. That's right. Next week, we'll I, continue to go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Before yeah, before up. we end this, I kind of want to pose this question, you guys, because we ke- it, it keeps coming back to money, of course. Would you rather have the Von Miller or J.J. Watt for about $16 million a year or Justin Houston and Xavier Rhodes back, pay them both about, you know, $8 million a year? For about the same price, would you rather have those two players back or get the elite guy like a Watt or a Von Miller. I think I think you would get. I think Xavier Rhodes comes back regardless. So so it's going to come down to whether you want to. I I would I would take I would take JJ Watt or Von Miller, pay more, and it, that wouldn't keep me from bringing Xavier Rhodes back. It would keep me maybe from being able to do something else, whether it's a an, another linebacker receiver or a, a receiver. So, uh, but yeah, I. I don't think he goes that route, but I I would I would be the fantasy geek guy and a rotisserie guy. I I would take that big name guy because I think JJ Watt has got another couple years, and I tell you he's going to be motivated. I really do, and I, I you know he, he's had injuries not so much last year. I don't think. I think if you got a JJ Watt in here for fifteen sixteen million, I think you'd get your money's worth. I, I would love I would love to have JJ Watt in this locker room. I, I agree. I think if you can get him in, you do get him in, and then you deal with uh, then you deal with corner after that. Um, get who you can, and if that's Rhodes, awesome. If he fits into your cap plans, great. If he doesn't, then well, you have J.J. Watt. So uh, so I'd, I'd feel pretty good about that if, if that was the situation. So um, we, we've discussed a lot of different um, free agents uh, and free agent classes already. Uh, we've done podcasts exploring the left tackles. Um, edge rushers this week we did cornerbacks next week we will do free agent wide receivers and tight ends for this coming off season but that's going to wrap up this week's colts blue zone podcast again you can follow us online on twitter at colts blue zone for colts news throughout the week i am at dave g underscore sports mike chapel is at m chapel 51 and joe hopkins is at roto street joe subscribe to the colts blue zone podcast get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week and we will see you next time on the blue zone podcast Thank you.